unfortunate set of times we find ourselves in right now. Hi, my name is Martin Evans, and I recorded these podcasts about a year ago, certainly before we were finding ourselves in a situation with this COVID-19 nonsense. Nonsense! Life is affected, everyone's in lockdown pretty much everywhere that I know, and we're all sort of stuck here, not really sure what to do with ourselves, and I thought, well, I suppose I've made a time than ever to release these old podcasts and having the opportunity to listen back in them. Some of them are really, really insightful little conversations that I managed to have. Not because of me, but because of who I've picked up in this series of podcasts. So every day for the next eight or nine days, I'm going to release a podcast to one of my my guests that I brought up here into my into my apartment here on the roof. And we had some amazing chats. Mostly they are people in the arts. Uh, I've spoken to musicians and comedians and ventriloquists and magicians and you name it. So stick around and please, please join me for the rest of uh, this little series of Rants with Pants. Um, I would have released all of this a lot sooner, but for some reason or another, I've had some tremendous difficulty getting my uh, RSS feed from um, my podcast to, this might mean nothing to you, uh, to, get, to actually link to Spotify. It was just one of those things it wouldn't, it wouldn't send me an email address to confirm and I finally got hold of them and they said, yep, it's up and running. We've done it for you. So I'm guessing if I can send this out and if you're listening to it, it's worked. So that would be the first goal of the series. So I recorded a number of episodes, eight or nine, I'm not sure, with my guests on the roof. And uh, the first one coming up is with somebody that I've really, really, really wanted to have a chat with for years. He's a, a unique character. The confidence he displays on stage is perhaps somewhat of uh, a cape to sort of hide the shy man that he is. He's a fantastic gentleman. And I hope you'll enjoy listening to this. This was the first of the podcasts I recorded on the roof. And I figured I might as well release this one first. It was first, technically. There is one before, which I'm not sure if I should release at the end. I think I'll do it at the end because that was a a sort of an extra one with a, a guest, guest, guest podcast. So we'll stick with this. It was first. Ladies and gentlemen, please, the first episode of Rants with Pants on the Rooftop Sessions with me, Martin Evans. Please enjoy this with Jack Thomas. Also, by the way, I might add, sorry, that was a terrible introduction for Jack Thomas, but uh, the music is courtesy, the little violin there is courtesy of Rail Goodman. Thank you so much uh, for coming in and let me record those little bits with you there. Um, So yeah, back to the podcast with Jack Thomas. Okay, Sorry, should we do this? Right. Yes. Here on my roof, my roof sounds very like I have land. I don't have land, <laughs> but instead of going somewhere which is more uncomfortable, I'm yes. joined in my my space by Jack Thomas. Hello and welcome. Hello, Martin. How are you? I am very well in your, just, on your roof. Thanks, man. I, I've, I've wanted to have a chat with you for quite some time now. Um, the podcasts over the, the years have tended to sort of highlight essentially friends of mine in the industry uh, mm-hmm. with a lot of strong focus on, say, comedians. Yes. Um, but it dawned on me that I have been exposed, especially with Pants on Fire and Rob, mm-hmm. to a lot of artists, yes. some that we've played with repeatedly, some we've never had a chance to have on our shows. Mm. Um, but I've always absolutely admired your work and your passion. But I met you at a time where you went by, as I think I've described, your ID book name. Yes. But as the artist now, it's Jack Thomas. Yes. Do you want to talk to us about where, where does this come from? Yeah. Well, I think it started off with the thought, what's in a name? Um, but for me, it became 
linked to let's call it a period of my life and jack thomas is the so to called alter ego of the new uh inception the new the new birthing the ashes out of the fire kind of situation basically at 28 about seven years ago now i was just like at my breaking point as an artist wanting to quit and didn't really understand why um joshua grierson as an artist wasn't doing what so many others had mm. done before and could do and you know you ask yourself so many different questions was i born in the wrong country and and you rack yourself literally like you were on a rack back in the old middle age days you know you feel like you're basically just tearing yourself apart with questions as to why you can't make it and it also was partnered with um the beginning of a sobriety of two years right so i had a nervous breakdown so yeah exactly i was gonna say like is yeah. there a sense of like it's a yeah, out of the a, ashes it, it out was, of the ashes here's the new yeah I'm the 28 bored. year old had a nervous breakdown and yeah. then the last seven years has been rebuilding that right. and so the name came the name change to jack thomas came with that right a, a, a new chapter sure so much like um the drummer of fleet foxes went off to start off father john misty but his name is joshua tillman right he felt that needed to break off a piece of himself and then like basically shedding your skin yeah so the last seven years has kind of been that and the reason why jack thomas is because i've always loved the name jack right and my dad's name is thomas right so it was this kind of like that's very and cool. my dad taught me to play guitar okay so there's this homage to him one of my um very strong heroes growing up and then jack is just a great name it's just always such a lack of name it's quite strange you say that because um i don't know if i've mentioned this in my podcast i haven't really listened to them before but I've got this fascination about boats and all this kind mm, of stuff, and yes. I, I've I've wanted to buy a boat at some point mm. in the future. Maybe I will. And you know, there's a certain thing about you can't just name a boat. You can't change the name of a boat. It has to be out of the water. You have to remove every single object that's linked to the boat's name. It's like a okay. luck thing and a sort of superstitious thing, right? But I would love to do that level of work that gives you the right to change a boat's <laughs> name. And then I was like, if I ever get a yacht, right? <laughs> And because my, my granddads were both in World War Two and the sacrifices, the appreciation mm. I have, right? Yes. And the fact that I've had this life of privilege has been from the efforts of my forefathers, mm. right? And I was like, okay, cool. If I ever get a yacht, I want to name it after both of them. Mm. And it's Jack Vincent. And I was oh. like, that just sounds like a kick-ass name for a yacht. So that like, is great. And then I was like, well, what if I get a narrowboat? A narrowboat is a little bit more Jack Vincent, a little great. bit more romanticized mm. and simplified. And I thought mm. I'd name that after my grands, and I would call it uh, the, the Cecilia Margaret. So I've got like that's <laughs> so yeah. Jack Thomas is a cool name, but yeah. You, but one of the questions I just wanted to it also up. looked better on paper for me. But it also just it it. Felt like it just had a bit more market value. Sorry, just in case anybody is listening to this and hasn't actually sort of maybe like trying to type a search, they might be going right now. Jack Thomas and they've J A C K. Yeah, I also tend to fuck with my bit of self sabotage there as well. But this is actually something I wanted to ask because there's a couple of artists. Someone else we'll be speaking to shortly, Gary Thomas, who's also performed, shall we say, as a transformed artist into a different name, but has sort of recently sort of moved back, I think, to performing as Gary Thomas and such. But you know. The, the argument I use in this day and age is like it's 
we're all essentially working for some breakthrough opportunities, right? Mm. And uh, I know that when I say, look, like got Spotify on my tablet and my phone, that a certain artist that I was looking for, and it's you know what do you search for in an artist in terms of your body of work exists and it exists in different frame sets. Of yeah, that's the individual. I think that's that's the challenge yeah. right now that I'm facing is how do I I didn't to, to be honest to you and to the listeners and yeah. the viewers like I didn't think this through I I I certainly uh, have come to realize that I don't think many things through um, and it's 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 been it's it's jeopardized my opportunities i think so you're working on an emotional level rather yeah than, i'm uh, a very spontaneous change my mind every two days kind of person yeah. and um it doesn't always reap benefits for the yeah. person does, making does, those decisions does the change in uh, or adoption of i don't know what do you even call it without it's giving it some kind of context the, the artistry the name change yes. right the, yes. the artist you perform as i've noticed in some things recently perhaps that you've you have actually given some sort of some sort of link in the tag back to joshua grierson as the person yeah so i've been i've kind of been putting myself out on paper as um in a bio for instance mm. uh jack thomas the artist formerly known as yes joshua grierson to kind of link it back because unfortunately right now i've got to I've either I've either got to ask um, a very knowledgeable IT person to delete me off the internet, which you can do, by the way. Yeah. For a price, you can delete your yeah, every aspect, every trace. It's called move Saudi to, move to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. <laughs> you say know, the wrong thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but so I've got to go to those content creators and say, "Hi guys, I've recently changed my name." For instance, the most important place, YouTube. Yeah. I have five relatively high playlisted, not playlisted, but like. They've, they've got more than 2,000 views. Right, okay? and you want them to be... I don't want, want them, them to go away. I understand. So I've got to go to the content creators, and it's just not been... I've been more interested in writing the songs than thinking about that stuff. So basically, it's it's that the reason why that is because I'm not good at business. But it's quite strange you say the that. The business you know, like of music is... You're almost... When you refer to it as a clean slate with the, mm. the change of name, and yes. that, um, it's almost like a like metaphor of like, you know, some folks can be really upset when the hard drive crashes and they'll never recover from this loss of yes, data and photos. Yes. And some folks are like, hey, well, moving on, Monday. we make like that. Do you I like, mean, you I, like the kind of hit delete guy and go, yeah, oh, fuck it, well, we yes. don't really need those pictures anymore anyway. We just spoke about it, like the oh. posters. Mm. You know, having posters of yourself that you've done, like doing a daisies or doing whatever you do, you know. Would and you, it's, it's like, I would find them in my drawers and I'd be like, eh. Well, I, I'll, I'll, you know, I mean, I've got the memories inside of me. I don't need the piece of paper to remind me. We were just in context. We were discussing when we came into my flat up on my wall is six posters of my one man shows. And they've been lying. You can see these are even like these are the ones that are recovered. that are in OK condition. <laughs> Everything is ruined. Right. There's no sense of memorabilia that I've kept. Okay. And it was underneath the bed and it was trapped. And I was like, I have to throw these away. But I had some boards that were also lying back. And I was like, Perfect. I made a little arts project out of it, right? It's great. Pasted them on the wall. But now, uh, in my relationship with my girlfriend, we've been discussing them that these pictures on my wall, they bring me down. They wow. don't make me happy. Wow. Because I don't look at these things and go, <laughs> look at me. Yes. I look at these things and I go, what have I done? 
what have I done? And it's yes. and each one of the pictures that are on the wall, because the, the frame that's up there, for example, was I've, I found that big poster frame, whatever. It's a huge frame. And I was like, it oh, is a big I'll frame. stick something in there. And then realized I was never going to do it. And then I just put three random posters that I had in it. And they were not shows that I have any pride in. Okay. You know? So I understand the walk away, start yes. again, because nothing's changed. You've still got the skills, yeah. the knowledge, the ability yeah. to make the music. I think that was the crazy thing was that throughout that um, strong first three years of quitting music, yeah. um, I was still writing every day. Mm. Which kind of, kind of brings me to what it's, I actually wanted to discuss with you. Is this, It's the addiction. Yeah. It's just like the draw is always there to do it. Yeah. I even though you're going through a fucking nervous breakdown. Yeah, I was going to say, the energy required to be on a stage, to give off, I want to call it the illusion, but you are selling the illusion to an audience of pure commitment and belief and yes. devotion. Yes. And like, you know, like... If you don't have that, you're not yeah, very believable yeah, on stage. Yeah. And as I say, like, I, I watch you, like the way you describe it, you know, somebody who's gone through a nervous breakdown, someone who's felt anxieties and, mm. you know, the stresses and whatnot. Yes. That... You are fucking bulletproof on stage. You have and to And it's be. evidently, yeah. I don't know, it's the jacket oh, you, you put on. But okay. it's, when you're up there, it's like, it's, there's, there's no doubting your ownership of yes. it, right? So, I mean, like, with this change of state, I can understand it because I don't want to, like, sort of uh, simplify our careers, but it's assuming that it wasn't 2,000 hits on those YouTube channels and you're talking about, yes. you know, 20 million. And suddenly... <laughs> Joshua Grierson at 20 million views and selling stadiums out worldwide decides he actually still wants to delete and reset the button. It's, it's a, a, that could be a far more challenging environment True. to do reset. True. So it's Yeah, I guess I'm hoping that the reset will be the thing that, that does change my life. And I look at artists like one who always stood out for me was David Gray, yeah. who was like you and I. Um, we did our music throughout our teens and our 20s and we did our thing. But very little recognition was happening in yeah. the time of those first few records. And then he brings out this one record and it changes his life forever. And he wasn't a young man at that point. Yeah. He was probably pretty probably where I am now. Yeah. 35, 33, 34 when, yeah. when White Ladder dropped. And it just changed his life. Sure. There was a a combination of all the right ingredients and people were just like, yeah, yeah. I, I, like, this is nice. I like this. Yeah. I can have this being played at pick and pay yeah. or I can have this played in my coffee shop. Like it works everywhere and yet there's an authenticity to David Gray's music that he's never lost. Sure. That's what I love about him. Yeah. He's super palatable but he's got this real strong, he's a great songwriter. So who, who is Jack Thomas wanting to play for? What is the... Huh. Where is it? Where, like I said, define it's this a good audience. Question. Yeah. It's a good question. I like, I, I certainly don't know if playing to, though the thought just sounds like, hey, that should be fun. Yeah. But I'm not a, I don't feel like I'm a stadium artist. Right. I really do feel like I'm an auditorium, mm -hmm. 5,000 max, where people can still feel me. Because yeah. no one can really feel you at 40,000 feet. Yeah. You know, like I said feet, but that's an ironic thing to say. Yeah. But um, yeah, I understand that sense. So, of like but it's interesting. I certainly don't feel comfortable with an 18 to 25 year old 
on general mass. Mm. I don't want to generalize, but like the crowd that the kids of 18 to 25 right now are like, it's a very different scene mm. when I was 18 to 25. Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying that those guys won't get me, but I might just be a little bit too introspective and not happy enough and not, not also not weird enough. Right. Like the, the kinds of music where people are like freaking out on people with tattoos on their faces and different <laughs> color hair. Yeah. So where does your, where does your background and your music come from? So, where does it stem from when you get on stage and who are you channeling? I mean, what's, what made Jack Thomas, what what did what made Joshua Grierson that made Jack Thomas? What's the background to your, like as you say, like the kids of today, and I, I'm 44 this month, right? Mm. And if I put myself out in an environment, I it, at times I feel 75, and at times I feel 15. Like mm. I don't really have a distinctive feeling of age around people, but to me, music has, as I've matured, uh, I've now developed a taste for timelessness and mm. talent, and mm. that is irrelevant to whether it's a face tattoo this week or it's a bum bag over the shoulder next week, I, it's not so much based on what is hip. It's about what I like. And I've been very honest to myself about what I enjoy. Mm. So what what was it that's led you over the years to develop as the guitarist and as the vocalist and as the, the stage persona that is Jack Thomas? I think it's just been wanting to be authentic. I just... For instance, like since I got Logic Pro and Ableton and all the toys and like I found a side of myself that I never knew was there. So then I started developing all these other thoughts. But if I think back to being a five-year-old kid and going to the train station and my dad coming off the station with this like brown box under his arm and I know what it is, but yet I'm still going to ask what's inside, what's that, act cool, you know? Mm. And then the box opens, and then you discover your best friend for the next life. Yeah. You know, so I think for me, music, I've just always wanted to give music um, an authenticity that, that it deserves. Right. So the burning desire is to like show you if I'm sad, I'm fucking sad. If I'm happy, I'm very happy. If I just want to be a wild man, I'm going to be a wild man. So then as an but, artist... But like, that's how I'm, I'm moving and shaking in yeah. that realm. But if you... Okay, so you've certainly written... I'll ask you. Do you know roughly how many songs you've written in your life? No. R rough estimate? Maybe 150. Okay, it's a huge amount, right? And 150 of those songs. How many of them are about being in love? Or in the pros of being in love versus uh, there's some bad ones in being in love. Like you yeah. can go back to yeah. a, a, a library of your own work in your head and go, mm. hey, I'm in an absolutely ridiculously good mood. Mm. This is a happy day. Going to sing the song. And then, well, but what about the interesting part is that I never had that. I, I've always, always struggled to write that. Okay. I'm so right. happy. Right. Right. I just. When I start getting there, I'm like, okay, you're in trouble. Put the guitar down. All right. I'll, I'll rephrase it's it then. Like, it's, it's it's, for me, it's just like, um, yeah, carry on. Well, I mean, more like along the lines of, because we, we mentioned it now, this 
the stage where you've actually been obviously deeply depressed, you know, in yes. dark, dark spaces, yes. right? Yes, that's and what's mostly the that's what's mostly inspired my music is yeah. how do I how do I bring across a story to you that you, feels um, real and authentic, um, and it doesn't make me feel like I want to like peep or like you know like get sick on yeah, um, but showing you a side of love hopefully in an original way sure but so what, what, love what, and also anxiety what, what, what about when uh, what about just because you know like doing stand-up isn't music it isn't the same thing and because like i don't necessarily get to go on stage and someone goes i hope he does that joke from his old bit in his career like maybe like say one of your early songs i hope Right. Jack's gonna do that yeah. track that I saw him do twelve mm. years ago at that venue, and it yeah, was that's part of it. You know, but I've never really truly experienced that, thankfully. Not no, yet. Can, I mean, because when you're writing a song, uh, how much? Like, uh, this is what I've always kind of like, sort of not questioned, because I've never written a song. Never mm. written. I've never had to take anything other than my honest feelings. Right? <laughs> Stand up honesty about how I feel in the day, mm. thrown in with a little bit of cynicism and right. some. Th- pre-thought stories but it's, yeah. it's on the day how I think I, I remember having to do comedy on the evening that Nelson Mandela had died do you know I've done comedy during the day like what I'm, two of my best friends who passed away from heroin right on two Ooh. separate occasions I've had massive shows involved where I've had to go on stage and I don't feel funny do you know what I mean I don't yes. want to bring out a sense of laughter yes. and, you know like if you're writing a song that's a deeply personal about mm. an incident, and yes. it could be fucking something that really broke your heart mm. or your spirit mm. or whatever it is, yes. but how do you feel about writing a song, say, from your past, which you might go like, oh, shit, okay, six years ago, there's a dark space. Created this song. It's, you know, it's a crowd favorite. I still perform it on a regular basis. Mm. I love the song. Yes. But the having to go back to a mental space where you go like Jesus I was in a dark area with that song or that was about a girl who really fucking hurt me and I have to sing this probably every night for right. X period of time like at what point do you go like hang on a minute I'm there's only one song that I feel that way about there's only one song right and what what's it's the, a love song okay it's called Oh Caroline Revisited yeah and I wrote it about a, a, a German girl that I was in love with yeah. Uh, many, 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 many years ago. And it's the only song that kind of makes me feel like bittersweet and like kind of sad that I'm singing the song. Right. You know, whereas everything else, I'm very happy to rehash. Right. I'm very happy to show you everything else. But that was probably my most vulnerable song. So, I mean, let's, let's play some sort of like fortune telling game here. Like... <laughs> Uh, where do you see yourself in in the best possible light in the best possible space mm. where do you see yourself moving in the next couple of years I don't mean physically going places yes. but uh, do you do you have a, a, a sort of a bit of a plan at the moment as such or do you enjoy the the nature of as Cape Town is it's a very it, it moves and changes um, I think I've done enough of that um, hanging around waiting for something to happen yeah uh, when you do that, no one comes around. Right. Um, I'd like to, I really, really, really would love to have representation. Mm. Like it, it would relieve a lot of stress and uh, spiraling thoughts. Mm. Running your own business is 
hard enough. Yeah. Running your own business by yourself mm. and in the arts yeah. is, Something. Is, is, is intense. So I, I'm tired of thinking about that stuff, but I have struggled to find the right people yeah. who can assist me with that. And because the people that did help me at one point let me down really badly. So I'm also trust. I've got like lots of trust issues and I like to control because I've had to control for yeah. so long. But in the next two to three years, representation would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, mostly somebody or two people who can handle South Africa or Africa at large yeah. and can handle Europe and the States. Like that so would what be kind wonderful. Of, what kind of like a Derek Gripper life, yeah. basically. So if you're going to be traveling, is that essentially having the opportunity to be a, a, a successful road musician along with the no not just road yeah i see myself doing film um a lot more film work that's in like the scores the and scores stuff. and stuff yeah. like that and yeah. i just i'm on the back of a of a, a l magazine l germany magazine yes uh, fashion film that right, got doing... made and i did the music for that myself and uh, my my music collaborator gene burrell yeah um who's also the other thing this is the other part that i'm getting to but gene and i are in a band together called age of waves right yes. which is this atmospheric rock it's like minimum eight minute songs we've got it's very yeah. atmospheric and we're going into the studio now in a month and right. we're going to finish our vinyl that we're going to be pressing it's our first soiree into the releasing world for the band so it's either a four or five track ep um so I'd love to see that band touring yeah. Europe, especially. Yeah, I think Europe will love us, um, and playing Jack Thomas, mm. releasing records, um, doing ambient music there as well. Because I'm not going to just be releasing singer-songwriter records. Yeah, there's other things that I want to pursue within that realm, which is the electronic music scene. Because yeah. I've got an ambient EP that I want to put out. Yeah. So I mean, if you're so, talking about instrumentation-wise and then your music that you're personally involved in, mm. you're you're primarily guitarist but are you first looking to form, expand first that and foremost but the the great thing with the software it's allowed me to expand the sounds yeah not necessarily my understanding sure but it certainly helped me to expand the sounds in my brain right like getting out all those little thoughts like just this morning i discovered this little bell you know with the tail end of an orchestra it's like a beautiful bell sound you know and um, from this great patch on logic yeah. called alchemy so i'm i'm developing different sides of myself which is right. so fun but um and i'm hoping they all are revenue streams yeah that'll be my success your kind of musical background where did the guitar start in your life other than you said your dad right. coming off the train whatever you well kind that of was kind of it um when i was three my parents i vividly remember the story because it just totally um encapsulates <laughs> A lot for me. But when I was three, my parents took me to a violin, group violin class to see if I'd be do well in violin. Right. And the teacher said, sorry, your, te your son is unteachable. He's too hyperactive. <laughs> okay. They don't want him in my class, basically. Yeah. I was too enthusiastic. How old were you? Three. Okay, well, that's too young. Three or four. But yeah. no, some of the most famous violinists started three. Sure. Uh, in, so two years later, my dad got me the guitar. And he started teaching me the chords and little finger-picking things. And for the next three, four years, he mentored me. And then I had friends in primary school who had very cool arts and culture friends. And we would sing, like, 
on the weekends at this house and you know Jessenberg Flakter mm. have bry after bry on the weekends and we would just sing songs and I developed a bit of my control there I was about 8, 9, 10, 11 right and I was developing like performing for the families yeah yeah it was fun it wasn't my family it was his my mate's family mm. but I would go there every weekend and he was learning to play guitar and he had just bought a Strat and so we were like kind of doing songs and his sister would play the piano so it was a wonderful like kind of Cool place to play. But then um, started my first band at 13. So, And then I did two years of music theory mm. at high school. Right. I, I, I was held back in grade eight because yeah. I felt that I'd be held up later in a more... Grade eight, so it's like a standard, standard six. six. Standard six, yeah. I was held back in yeah. standard six. So I did two years of standard six. Yeah. And both two years of standard six, grade eight, I did uh, music as a subject. Right. But it was after school. Yeah. When all I wanted to do was go home and play guitar. I don't want to fucking learn about quotations and sure. semi-cleves. And I was just like, I wasn't there. Right. It looked like maths. Yeah. And I, lost, I was like, no, nah, I can't do this. I, I'm, I'm horrible at maths. Yeah. So I, I made it for myself that I couldn't do it. I decided that I couldn't do it. But I got the highest marks for practical. Right. So did a little bit of finger training, but not much. So my whole thing has been exploration. It's been... Just picking up the instrument, seeing how I can manipulate it. So you've been playing guitar basically your whole life. Yeah. So when you were like, let's say, I remember when I was a little boy and uh, we'd moved to South Africa and I had a little portable tape recorder mm. with a microphone that attached to it. And we would go to my neighbor's house and we would play her dad's culture club record and we would sit with a microphone next to the speaker and we would record. We were like uh. early dubbing, right? Uh. <laughs> you know, piracy. But like... You know, so there's a whether like Culture Club was a cool artist for adults or kids is relevant. I was a child, thought yeah. it was amazing. Yeah. You know, what were you listening to as a kid? What were you listening ah. to? That you were going, this makes me want to play a guitar, or were you listening to music like any of us, just going, oh, that's nice. No. Were you specific about your um, curated child tastes? I was. I was definitely very, very interested in an eclectic taste of music. Is this influenced by your parents or your own little my dad. decision? Okay. Yeah. yeah, my dad. Um, my dad and KFM Top Forty Saturday Ten till Two. Right. You know what I mean. Back in when it was still uh, very good. Yeah. So I got for my dad. I got Jimi Hendrix, The Who, The Doors, The Beatles, mm. Mm. Bob Dylan, which was the most significant discovery of my life. Right. Musical father, hands down, um, for me at least for my early. Uh, 8 to 21, 25 time, like folk music. So you were an eight-year-old Bob Dylan fan? Fanatical. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. But I also got interested in stuff like Mike Oldfield. Mm. One night my dad was like, we're going to watch Mike Oldfield live at Tubular Bells. Like, we have to, you have to see this, Josh. Yeah. And I... Are you talking about live or on a video? No, it was, it was the famous live show, Mike right. Oldfield's Tubular yeah. Bells. Yeah. And he's a he's a multi instrumentalist. Yeah, and he puts this twenty five thirty piece people band on the on the stage, and I sit there at the age of like seven, like eyes like flying saucers for an hour. My sister's like fast asleep after fifteen minutes, and I'm like, this is incredible. So I also had a lot of interesting culture like that, and then Penguin Cafe Penguin Cafe Orchestra, which was one of the most significant finds of my life. My dad, my dad worked at the Cape Argus for forty years. He was right. a graphic editor there. I was going to say, what does your family's musical influence? Yeah, my dad, my dad played a lot in church mm -hmm. and a lot in bands when he was like teens. Yeah, but he never wanted to be a front man. He always liked to just be a support. Right. 
So he never really had the drive to go off and be a songwriter. But he was an incredibly talented illustrator. Right. And um, so he worked for the Cape Argus for 40 years, retired there. But uh, he, what were we saying now? He was, so he kind of informed a lot, but he had, sorry, he had this mate at work who gave him a tape. Yeah. It was Pem Cafe Orchestra, self-titled album. I think it was their second one, not their first, but they self-titled it. And all their all their covers were beautifully um, illustrated and painted. It was a half body of a human and a half a body of a penguin. Mm. And um, all their images was like that, half penguin, half human. And all beautiful painted. And I just fell in love with it. It was like a collection of jazz, freeform, classical, um, nuanced. It would even be put into the you know, Zen department in the music store, like the yeah. New Age. Yeah. But it was just, dude, it was the, some of the most incredible instrumental music I've ever heard in my entire life. It made me happy. Right. It was the only band that I, whose happy music I could enjoy. Because mm. I would listen to all the sad songs on the albums. I would hate the more rocky, up-tempo, almost happy stuff. I would go to immediately ballads. So how much then, if, if your influences in, in your musicality, like, do you think that the jack thomas today versus let's say hypothetically in 20 years time um other than the introduction as you say of like discovering these new sounds and toys mm. and tools to you know increase your palette of sounds that you can get out there yeah. do you think that you might find yourself as an artist again going through complete revolutionary changes where you like i'm not suggesting that you wouldn't play the guitar but like at some point in the future that you've You've uh, you've musically changed to a point where you know, the, the new sounds and everything else that's affecting you, is like nothing you used to do in your oh, yeah. youth or your totally. age currently, or how I say totally. You're... I would, I can really see myself doing those jumps. Is the fluidity of that important to you? I mean, yes. would you do that yes. for you? Like, let's 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 start play a little game here. Let's assume you like again, like some massive contract comes up. And yes. you're booked to play festivals for the next five years based on. You, the man today, right. or an album that you've released? Yeah, you know I wouldn't. I, mean? I wouldn't. I wouldn't structure very well in that situation. Yeah. If I was signed to a label or a major label, yeah, and they were expecting, um, you know, what, Bob Dylan what, being the perfect example, like this, shall we say, the picking up the electric guitar, yes. and then the world kind of yeah. losing its apart, shit, yeah. you know, and it's that sense so of somewhere meeting somewhere in the middle between. David Bowie and Bob Dylan would be wonderful for me. Yeah, that um, idea I'm, that you can I'm change. The ability that I'm a chameleon, that yeah. I can, that um, I might wear the same jeans and hard rock mm. boots and a leather jacket, but I'm going to make very soft ambient music. Mm. You know what I mean? So at, uh, I would feel very um, stifled in a situation where we'd have to do five albums mm. of the same sound. Yeah, now I would kill myself. I'd rather kill myself mm. than do that. With we were talking about shows earlier on and the idea of, say, being a musician in South Africa in its current context. You know, um, it's a big place geographically. It's a limited place economically yes. and, yes. Uh, you know, yeah. artistically. Ooh, one of the lights just died there. It's yeah. fine. It's on me. Um, do, where does the show go with your audience? Do you look for in your environment for, is it like, you want to go out there and see the audience up on their feet dancing or do you f quite enjoy the idea of like, hang on, these people actually came to almost like a theater show for me where they've, they're seated to appreciate 
uh, and say an hour 20 minute performance or something as opposed to yeah i i have certainly grown extremely um exhausted from south african from the apathy that artists get hmm. from south african audiences right now i haven't toured enough barely enough to know if um, it's like that elsewhere. But I've played numerous places all around South Africa, so I can only really speak about South African audiences. But it seems to me that you're just there to add some light entertainment to their life. Yeah. No, there doesn't seem to be a sense anymore mm. that this is a life-changing experience. Yeah. This is something that we need to really be reverent to. Yeah. Even in... Cape Town um, Church. There's this church here. The slave church one. Not the slave church, the other one by Adelie, by just off Adelie in the... Yeah. There's a church there and they have shows there. And I'm sitting there after paying my 150 rand for the ticket um, and I'm watching this and listening to this beautiful music and I can hear people talking around me. Yeah. I go to Felix Band, Dark Days Exit, where bef- at what used to be something now is the Fugard, I think. Yeah. Maybe it was the Fugard, but yeah. I, this is 10, 12 years ago. I went to his theater show for Dark Days Exit. There was a theater show while he played the album. Yeah. He was seated and there was talking. Yeah. So, and these are artists that, that really deserve respect. Yeah. So, why is there just this lack of appreciation mm. you know Andy Lund will speak to the audience at the House of Machines mm. you know and say on a um, on open mic like guys just, just tonight for tonight can we just be respectful of the artist and what's yeah. going on here there's people always talking yeah. I have to stop you there for a second because that sound of a beep was the second camera dying okay. so I think what we need to do is... Part two, a week later. Yeah, I think we'll do another one. Okay. And then I'll have all the camera charged up and we'll do a little bit more and we can work on a, a tune to... Well, that's lacquer. Yeah. That's I'm enjoying lacquer. this. This is cool. This is cool. We've still got the audio recording here and I think we'll keep this as because, well, the audio is going out as part one. Okay. Uh, and then we can chat further about, like, yeah, where, where does sort of... Um, what do you want to call it? Uh, your questions have been great. They... They're they're very they're very very great. <laughs> the, the wise, nice segues, really. You probably I um, would imagine maybe you prepared a little bit, but you're improvising. I would imagine a lot as well. Uh, all of it. Um, I just wanted to have a know? conversation, yeah. basically. Asking so questions. So I really feel you. like it's just been it's uh, it's nice. You're looking at things from a cool lens. So shot. Cool. That's well, I, th- I think what we'll do then, we'll, we'll call this part one. Cool. And I, like uh, I, I think what ideally we, we should get going at some point is, as I said, I really wanted to discuss how your, when you play that guitar, why it's you mm. on that sound. Mm. Like there's an, I mean, you have a distinctive sound. Um, maybe we'll just discuss, just for people out there who are maybe young kids and people who are on the musician side of things who want to understand a little bit more about the music rather than just... Didn't they say fandom that people have or why yeah. we would make these stories happen? It's just to get that one layer under as to mm. like, okay, cool. When you when you strike a guitar, like, you know, 
who who's this who's this an emulation of it's some part of your mm. youth or yes. your, you know what i mean yeah. so let's uh, let's do that and i'm looking now because of the time we were recording this it's about what uh it's like half five and it's a bit dark to do things on the roof but it'd be nice to get a little recording on the roof with you like that jack thomas cool thank you very much thank you martin let's uh, do this again yes please <laughs>